0: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more, so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30-plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome
1: to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, a radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade. And as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, the CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing this fine weekend? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Certainly glad you decided to join us. We have another great, Growing Your Wealth show lined up for us today, but before we get to that, once again, it is my duty to remind you that we are also a podcast. So if you're listening to the show in your car and you've got to get out of the car, run some errands, or do whatever, if you've missed any part of it or you want to hear it all over again because you missed something, again, we are a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcasts and search Brian Evans Growing Your Wealth. We have more than 350 episodes right there, so there is bound to be one that applies to you. As I said, Brian, some good topics to talk about on the show today. We're going to be talking about what a lifestyle portfolio looks like. In addition to that, we're going to be talking about what it requires to keep income coming in in retirement. But before we get to that, Brian, for those people who are just joining us, I want to sort of do a little overview of what this show is really all about. I mean, this is a different kind of financial talk show because we're really not selling anything, are we? No, we're not really selling
2: anything. and, And certainly, as compared with some shows, you know, they certainly are. They're infomercials essentially. What's interesting, and the reason I want to talk about this is I like your show. I've learned so much. I really appreciate you know what you're doing, that you're educating and, and all of that. And yet uh, at the same time, they go, I'm really interested in some of those things you were talking about. Can you refer me to someone or some company that can offer those? I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> we offer those. And oh, you do? Oh, you offer those things you've been talking about? And so I kind of want to talk about that because not only do I not make, this an infomercial, I probably went too far over the years and and don't even mention, oh, by the way, we can provide (laughs) the solutions we're talking about. We are absolutely a company that's looking you know, to grow our client base, been able to grow the number of people we can help. And we've grown our firm, our advisors, our locations, all of those things. So obviously, it's important to bring in new people we can help, new clients. And the way we do that is we start with education. Absolutely. But one of the points I want to make about that is you can be the smartest person in the world and know everything about everything. But unless you have a plan, you're probably not going to see a lot of success.
1: And I remember the seminars that we used to do a while ago. And of course, we still do seminars. But I remember at the end of that seminar, you used to ask people, what am I selling? And what was the answer? They were like, I don't know (laughs) know. uh,
2: yourself. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm not for sale. Okay, boy, I don't know. You gave us a lot of good information, but I never really got any concrete answers back from the audience after my seminar I was done. I was like, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I mean there's there's good and bad in everything. I always say that on the show. The good part is I wasn't selling. I was educating. The bad part is they didn't know they could get their answers and their product through me, right? <laughs> so I was like, "Well, maybe I went a little overboard on trying to not to be the sales guy." You know, I I suppose I I do that out of defense uh, anyway because I wasn't brought up in a sales world. I right. was brought up in the CPA world, and we didn't do selling. You know, we we were prohibited from doing even advertising when I started public accounting by the Board of CPA. So it's just kind of interesting that that kind of went full cycle on that. Now I'm doing a radio show. I'm, I'm getting new, new clients for the firm. And I got to remember once in a while to say, oh, by the way, yeah. I, I am selling too. <laughs> I actually have these products available to you, whether it's DSTs or annuities or stock market or all the things we talk about on this
1: show. Yeah, we, that's what we do. That's, I invest people's money for a living. Brian, you mentioned plan there. Even the smartest person in the world will not succeed with all this education unless they have a plan. Yes. And so, you know, we we start with the education
2: and the thing we repeat over and over, what's the best thing to do? Uh, Well, have a financial plan done. When's the best time to start that? Well, today would be any other day. So (laughs) yesterday, Yeah. yeah, yesterday, but if you can't do yesterday, how about today? So we're always encouraging people to do a plan to spend that time to go, okay, where am I at? Where am I going? What does it look like? How's my retirement setting up? What can I expect? You know, what's my legacy? How do I take care of my spouse? How will all this look when I get it down on paper instead of just guessing at it? It's too important just to guess on your retirement. And so we offer that too. So I'll say that we offer to do that plan for you. And when we're deciding, you know, working with you to figure out whether it makes sense for you to be a client of ours, part of that process eventually will be, we will do a plan for you once we've decided that makes sense to do and start working together. And so we do a comprehensive, lifelong plan, looking through the the windshield, as I call it, as opposed to a tax turn, which is looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking in the future all the way up until you pass away and beyond for legacy purposes. You know, education is great. That's where we start, and that's where the show starts. We also accentuate that we need a plan.
1: That's right. So education number one, the plan is number two, but the plan is worthless unless you execute that plan. That's right. You can
2: have all the stuff on paper and go, wow, look at this. Uh, If I do things and things can work out a certain way and that's great. And then you go home and you put that plan in a stack of papers next to your reader's digest and you stack a few more on top of that (laughs) and before you know it, it's at the bottom and uh, nothing happened with it. Right. So, you know, you can have plans, but unless you execute them, it doesn't really matter. And one of the things that I've pointed out on this show a lot is that many of the tools we need... So we're going backwards, and we're not starting with product and sales and all that stuff. That is the byproduct of all of this. Many of the tools we need to execute our plan can only be offered through a licensed investment advisor or a licensed insurance person or, or both, in our case, both. We're both licensed in insurance products and stock market products and everything in between. And so uh, we are licensed to put you in on all the things you need to execute your plan. And so uh, with that licensing, we're able to... Do educate, then do the plan, and then actually take you through the implementation of it. Something you can't do on your own because, again, unless you're licensed and all those things, you can't offer so many of the products we use to implement the plans.
1: We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we're talking about the difference here at Madrona Financial is the fact that we have the heart of a teacher and not that of a salesman. Our goal is to educate and take you to and through retirement. And by the way, if you do have questions that you want to be educated about, you can send them to us by going to our website, emailing us at madronafinancial.com. That's one way. You can also text them to us from 833 673 833 673-7373. You can also go to our website. We have 98 educational videos there and uh, certainly there's a lot of great information that you can use in your journey to and through retirement. It's madronafinancial.com Okay, Brian, let's talk about our first topic here and that is what it takes to keep income coming in in retirement. Brian, would you distinguish the accumulation phase of your life and the distribution phase?
2: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of ways to break this down. I was talking to clients the other day and he said, yeah, I was reading this, this thing and it made me get to thinking about my investments and how I really probably want more time. It was talking about the four quarters of your life. He says, I'm in the fourth quarter and yet I'm, I'm always worried about my rentals and thinking about them and, and worrying about when it rains, if I got to fix them and he's going on and on. And he says, but you know, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my fourth quarter. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to analyze, you know, kind of where you're at is it's just a a simple breakdown. Uh, when you're working, you're in the accumulation phase. You're trying to build up your wealth. You're trying to get enough there so that you have options in, in, in retirement. And in retirement, you're in the distribution phase. Now, it's very important, the distinction between these, because it really should and does affect your investments and your investment outcomes. Because during the accumulation phase of your life, you really don't care if markets are up or down. You shouldn't. In fact, you kind of want bad markets. You want to buy low, and sell high. So if you know you're not taking money out while you're accumulating and you're putting money in, would you rather buy into a market where the Dow was, you know, 30,000 for 20 years or would you rather buy where it would dip down to 6,000, down to 10,000 and and now it's 30,000? Well, I'd rather buy more stocks at a lower price because by the time I start taking them out, then uh, I'm way up. And so the funny thing is you want bad markets while you're accumulating, you know, if they're going to be up when you retire. Now, that that only works if you're not pulling money out. That's called dollar-cost averaging. So risk isn't really very relevant when you're accumulating. It's extremely relevant when you're in the distribution phase of your life and you're pulling money out of your accounts. You do not want the Dow to dip down to 6000 or 10000 when it was thirty or whatever. While you're pulling money out, you'll never recover that, and it can be devastating at your retirement. So you need a completely different strategy of investments, depending on whether you're in the accumulation phase of your life or the distribution phase.
1: And Brian, Social Security, I think that's the benchmark that is the foundation of most people's income in retirement. I would say most, probably 95% of people. Many people have a pension as well, too, and that was how we came kept income coming in in retirement and my parents' age, my aunts' and uncles' age. They had those two things, and when I was growing up, they lived just fine. And I thought, well, that'll be the way it is for me, too. But as I got older, I realized that Social Security and a pension just isn't going to cut it. What are some of the other ways that we can keep income coming in in retirement? What are some of the other tools?
2: Well, before we go there, you said something interesting, that they live just fine. The definition of just fine has changed generation to generation, right. decade to decade decade to decade mm-hmm. when i was growing up living in a 1200 square foot rambler with one car that had an am radio and air conditioning meant rolling down the window not with the electric but turning the, the crank <laughs>
1: and, and, seems and, and, funny yeah. now but yeah that's that's the way we live my aunt and uncle i remember that a 67 chevy and a 49 pickup truck and they were just fine oh gosh i had a
2: pickup truck too we, we just had the, the car. Yeah. Uh, we had one phone, no no cell phones, yeah. no smartphones, no mm-hmm. computers. We had one phone. It was on a party line. And so you'd pick it up and Mabel down the street would be on her, you know, <laughs> call with her sister for two hours. You'd go, gosh, I can't call out until they're done. We had one TV. It yeah. was, you know, 19 inch black and white, you know, rabbit ears. And that was fine. So you think about what was fine. We didn't, you know, our annual vacation was camping on Lopez Island, right, which was fine. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't fly an airplane. We went out to eat once a year on my parents' anniversary to someplace, you know, kind of an all-you-can-eat place, which was fine. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. The definition of, of fine, fine yeah. has changed dramatically. <laughs> so back then, maybe Social Security and a small pension was Fine. Yeah, I don't think that most people. I some may hate to admit it, but <laughs> without our you know our creature comfort requirements for what's fine. You know, I, I hear people just complaining. You know, teenagers complaining they don't have the latest iPhone. Yeah. You know, they they have one that's two back. They got they got <laughs> the stupid ten. You know, I only have an iPhone ten. Yeah. I'm so it's terrible. I had to fly coach. Oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, it's it's like huh wow, uh, your car does what? You know, I don't remember cars back then doing you know, all the things the new ones do. No. So, you know, just to reiterate, the definition of fine has changed. So the, the definition <laughs> of, an, of adequate income to do the things we want in life has changed along with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, back in the day, kids listened to this. I mean, if we needed to know how to get somewhere, we unfolded a map. We didn't have climate control in the car. Some of us had to shift the gears in the car. I mean, it was a whole different thing. We had to manually adjust the seat. Yeah, we were living roughly back in the day, but we considered it just fine. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we've been talking about what it takes to continue income in retirement. We're going to continue that conversation in just a moment, but I want to take this opportunity to remind our listeners to go to our website, madronafinancial.com, and find out about how well your wealth is rooted. Take our rooted wealth analysis. It's really quite simple. When you go there, you will answer a couple of questions. They're simply just informational questions. Once you have done that, You'll go to the Get Started page, and you can pick the things that you want to address in your analysis. Lifestyle planning, growth planning, protection planning, tax planning, health care planning, gift planning, legacy planning, and real estate planning, including DSTs, passive real estate. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button to find out how deep your financial roots are. You know, we're in a financial storm right now, and there are many more in the forecast. And if your portfolio does not have deep financial roots, your portfolio can could be blown over just like those trees with the shallow roots. So once again, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to find how deeply rooted your financial portfolio or your financial plan is. Brian, I know that you have done a lot of estate planning at the firm there, so you'll be interested in this. If you don't have any kids or friends who feel like good choices to inherit your fortune, well, that's not a problem. Your pets can be listed as the beneficiaries of your will. However, as was the case with Leona Helmsley, we called her the queen of mean with the hotels in New York. Her prized pooch, Trouble, received only $2 million out of the $12 million payout that she intended for the dog to get. But she did leave millions to her brother, who was initially responsible for caring for Trouble. But when her brother refused to care for the dog after Helmsley's death, Trouble was flown by private jet, first class to Florida, to be in a a pet condo there. The Will also stipulated that when Trouble went to the big kennel in the heaven, she would lie beside Leona in the 12,000 square foot Helmsley family mausoleum in sleepy hollow cemetery in Westchester County, New York. Brian, have you ever had anybody leave money to a pet? Uh, No, (laughs) I've not heard of that one before.
2: No, I've done a lot of estate planning and worked with a lot of people on where they want to leave things. And that hasn't come up. I've done a lot of terrible (laughs) gifting planning or talked about putting trust provisions in your will to distribute money over different periods of time to people that aren't used to running money. I'm sure that that pooch wasn't used to running money. So I guess that money would have been put into (laughs) trust also. So it would have been put into trust and then the trustee would have taken money income off of that and any principal needed to take care of uh, okay. trouble. Yep. And then when trouble passed and went to the doggy heaven, I guess, with Leona, yep. uh, then the remaining in the trust would have gone to a contingent beneficiary. So that's where my mind goes. I'm, yep. I'm just can't even get into <laughs> the, the dog, but my mind's going, I, I wonder what the uh, contingent beneficiary, maybe the brother, maybe a
1: charity, but you said she was a queen of means, so probably to her brother. Yeah. She was the queen of means to the hotel employees, but trouble Now, there's the definition of one lucky dog. Once again, you're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. My name is Jeff Shade, and we are talking about what it takes to keep an income coming in during retirement. We've talked about Social Securities and pensions. Brian, what are some of the other tools that you can use to keep that income coming in? Well, we, we do talk about annuities quite a bit on the show because it's funny. We,
2: we also talk about how much advertising is done out there by one particular firm that says, I hate annuities and you should too. It's like, well, I'm not sure if I should trust this person or not. So some people come to me and they say that and they go, I hate annuities. I go, do you, do you hate your social security checks for life? Well, of course not. That's great. Well, if you have a pension, do you hate pension checks for life? Well, of course I don't. They're great. I said, well, what if your pension had an increasing cash flow for life? Would you hate it? Well, no, I just told you I wouldn't hate a pension whether it was flat or increasing, okay? What if you died prematurely you're pretty bummed that your Social Security and your pension go away and nothing goes to your heirs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Well, an annuity has every attribute of Social Security or pension, but in addition, if you die prematurely, it can pay out uh, money to your heirs along with potentially some free life insurance. Do you hate getting checks for life that go up forever? I, was like, I just told you I don't. Well, you just told me you hated an annuity, and that's an annuity. That's one of the two kinds of annuities. The ones that replicate a pension, essentially, they pay you monthly checks for life. They can't run out. And some of them have increasing monthly checks for life that can't run out. That is not a bad thing. (laughs) That may not be for everybody. But when I explain that to people that say, I hate annuities, uh, and I'm not sure why, that's one. The other one is the accumulation annuity. The accumulation annuity, one of my advisors, Matt, says it so perfectly. He said investments can do one of three things. They can go up. They can go down or they can stay flat. If I were to eliminate one of those for your investment, which one would you have me eliminate? Everybody kind of like, uh, trick question, but how about the down one? So he crosses out the down. He leaves the up and the sideways. There you go. That's an accumulation annuity. So an accumulation annuity, if the markets are bad, it's flat. It doesn't lose anything. When the markets are up, it goes up. It does not go up as much as the market went up. It goes up whatever their, their index is based on, but it can go up or it can be flat. Now, the people that have these accumulation annuities or the, the lifetime cash flow, when 2022 hit and the bond market got smashed and the stock market got smashed, they're looking at that going, huh, these annuities are pretty awesome. <laughs> Every one of my clients had annuities, was pretty darn happy after 2022 because they didn't lose any money. And so uh, that's what they're for, for part of your portfolio that you want protected from a bad market. And we're going to have a bad market on average every seven years. And we're going to have a flat market, a long-term flat market every so often where it starts and ends at uh, roughly the same place and has some, some rallies and some drops and rallies and drops. And actually rallies and drops help accumulation annuities because when you get a gain in a particular year, it locks in forever. When you have a loss in a particular year, you stay flat. So those down years, you don't lose anything. The up years, you get to keep it. So even if it started at a particular level and ended after, say, five or 10 years, you may have made a lot of money even though the market itself was flat. So in a down market or a flat market, annuities are a preferable
1: place to be. We're talking about how to keep income coming in in retirement with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPA. So annuities and particular accumulation annuities might be an option for you. Brian, there's this term called laddering annuities. How does that work?
2: Yeah, as I mentioned, there's there's two basic uh, functions of the fixed index annuities that we offer here. And uh, one of them, as I mentioned, was a guaranteed lifetime cash flow or increasing guaranteed lifetime cash flow. That's the pension-like attribute of that. Now, you can decide instead to do uh, the accumulation annuities, and you say, but they're just kind of like, I call them CDs on steroids, and they're not meant to give you monthly checks for life. However, you can use them in a laddering sense. So I've had a lot of clients lately say, I've got some money, I want to invest, but I don't want to take any risk. I'm worried about the stock market. I've got enough wealth. I've got you know real estate. I, I have some money in market, but this other money I don't want to take a chance on. Is there any way I can have access to it every so often, just in case, and not tied up forever, but get a decent return? And so what we do is a laddering approach. So I might do okay. I'm going to put X amount in a one year CD, and then I'm going to put some in a three year fixed annuity, and some in a five year fixed or fixed index annuity, and a seven year fixed index. Annuity, the indexed because I can get a higher return over a longer period of time on average. But a fixed annuity will pay much higher than it has in in years and years and years right now. And so what we're able to do is put it into investments again. We've taken away the down arrow here, so that's good. Mm -hmm. And the longer the term, the the higher the upside. And by laddering, we may have a situation where after one year, do you need some cash? Yeah, I do. Well, then we're going to liquidate that CD or partially liquidate it. Uh, After three years, do you need some cash? Uh, Yeah, Or no, I'm fine. Okay, well, you know, that three year annuity we bought for you is liquid now. You can do whatever you want. Uh, if you don't need it, we'll reinvest it and we'll leapfrog the other annuities that are coming due because you got another set coming due in two more years, your five-year annuity. And then we'll leapfrog that. And now you got your seven-year annuity two years after the five-year comes due. You see where I'm going with this. Right. We can, we can ladder this to where, Mm -hmm. gosh, I can lock in longer-term rates. I can get maximum returns on my fixed-index annuities. And yet I don't have to wait 10 years for it all to be available to me. I can use a laddering process Mm -hmm. where every year, two years, you know, certainly if you fluctuated when you started them by one year, you literally could have access to money every single year just in case you need it. If not, roll it into a long term, longer term uh, fixed index or fixed annuity to get the higher returns, knowing something you did previously in a previous year is coming due anyway next year. So it's a great way to provide for access to cash, cash flow if you need it. Decent returns, take away the down arrow, and and not lock your money up forever. So I think that using accumulation annuities with a laddering uh, sense, you can tell. I get excited about this. This is yeah. fun to put this stuff together. Oh, no, really? Is for people? Yeah, because people go, "Wow, that is yeah. fantastic." Yeah. And and so I'll tell a story in a bit about that. But uh, I, I just love doing this kind of <laughs> thing for people. As do all my advisors.
1: Yeah, well, that's a fantastic strategy, Brian. Laddering annuities, and just think of a ladder. I mean, a ladder has rungs. And ladder one after the other after the other after the other if you visualize that each of those rungs maybe when you can get cash out it makes a lot of sense we're talking with brian evans of madrona financial and cpas our program of course is called growing your wealth we're glad you could join us and brian we're going to take a quick break in just a moment but in the meantime for listeners if you're wondering whether or not your retirement is designed to support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years we have a great book that might shed some answers on that it's called the seven steps to a successful retirement and those seven Steps include a lifestyle plan, growth plan, protection plan, a tax plan, health care plan, gift plan, and a legacy plan. To get yours, you can simply text radio to eight three three-six seven three seventy three seventy-three. Radio to eight three three six seven three seventy-three seventy-three to get your digital copy. If you'd like a hard copy, just tell us that. We'll be glad to send it out to you. And while you're there, if you've got questions or comments about the show you'd like us to talk about, maybe you've got some topics that you want us to explore put those in the text as well too. Once again, 833-673-7373.
0: Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come.
1: And now, here's Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial Services. Here's Brian Evans.
2: There's a lot of financial advisors out there doing seminars on how to get out of income tax completely, and I'm asked as a CPA, Do you know, is that your goal, to get your clients out of paying income tax? And I'm saying, well, not really. I think if you're successful and you have income, you're going to pay income tax. The goal is not to get out of paying income tax. I'm sure people that have no income would love to pay some tax if they could get their income up. The goal is to pay the least amount of income tax over a longer period of time. That'd be one goal for a lot of people. And the way you do that is to structure things you have control over, to manage your tax brackets, to spread things out, and do different things like that. So one of the interesting things I've noted is that 20, 30 years ago, the talk was always about deferring your income. You always wanted to defer your income until your retirement years, because you knew during your working years you'd be in a higher bracket than you would be in your retirement years. And that was the But of late, because we've had such a good stock market for a long time, a good real estate market, a good economy, and so forth, a lot of my clients are actually having higher income in their retirement years than they did when they were working. And they find they're in a higher bracket. So that's one of the things that we we do consider when we're doing tax planning. I will say that the people that, uh, the advisors that are trying to get you out of income taxes completely, basically are selling a product. They're pushing something called universal life. Now, that's okay. It can be a good thing for some people, but it is a product pitch to some degree because that allows you to have income in your retirement, income tax-free.
1: Even the mightiest of trees can be blown over if they don't have strong enough roots. The same is true with your investment plan. Can your plan withstand a financial storm? Go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to request your rooted wealth analysis. You can also click on the chat button and ask us anything. We have a searchable library with answers to your questions. Visit madronafinancial.com
0: of only getting half the story. That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs.
2: In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about what does it take to keep income coming in.
1: And Brian, we talked about a lot of things in the first half there. And among those were Social Security. We talked about pensions. We talked about annuities and, in particular, laddering annuities. And, again, if you're just joining us, our show is a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast and search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans, and you can hear our show right there if you need to be caught up in some of these topics. Brian, before we went to the break, you said you had some stories to tell us that would further illustrate what needs to be done to keep income coming in in retirement.
2: Yeah, I had a, a situation. This relates to the laddering of annuities. So, an older couple. Uh, he called me, and they were in retirement. And he called me and and said, uh, I got some money on the sidelines here, and I'd I'd like to invest it. I've got plenty of other cash that I'm going to keep here for improvements to the house or whatever. And it was something where he said, you know, I'm just not making anything in my money market. And I said, well, how much are you making? He says uh, forty dollars a year. Wow. And I said, well, how much do you have? He said, it's three quarters of a million. <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. Oh, okay. Uh, how about instead of $40 a year, $40,000 a year guaranteed? He was like, that sounds a lot better. Yeah. And so I uh, did exactly what I said uh, previously was we laddered this out. And he wasn't sure if he'd need the money or, or not. But, you know, we did a three-year. We did a five-year. We did something longer. You know, we did a, a mix of different investments. They weren't even, invest, you know, they're not market investments. These were fixed or fixed in indexed annuities with a fixed index annuity has an annual floor of zero and can give you a percentage of the gains of the market when it's up. The fixed annuity is exactly that. It's fixed. If they say they're going to pay you 5%, they're going to pay you 5%. And they can't change that on you. And so we locked in one of those companies uh, for five years with a, a promise as to what interest rate they were going to pay us. So we know exactly what it is. Uh, in the end, uh, yeah, $40 a year. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, $200 after five years or $200,000. Yeah, uh,
1: Which one sounds better to you, Jeff? Oh, i take the $200,000. But even with $40, he had to pay taxes on that. T- too, didn't he?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You have to pay your taxes when you take the money out. Right. So fixed annuities and fixed index annuities, as they grow, they are tax deferred, and you can invest in them. Uh, some people don't know this. I'm talking about non-qualified accounts, meaning not your IRA accounts. Right. So you don't pay the tax as you earn the money; you pay it when you take it out of that annuity. You can. Let's say he did one for five years. He put that money in, and his seven hundred fifty thousand grew to nine hundred fifty thousand. And he says, well, I still don't need the money. Can we do another annuity? I say, yeah. Do I have to pay tax on that 200000 I said, no. We can do what's called the Section 1035 exchange, mm-hmm. one annuity insurance contract for another insurance contract. So we can exchange that annuity into a brand new annuity that kind of does whatever he did at whatever the rates are at that time and continue to defer that interest, that $200,000 in this case that he earned, continue to not pay tax on that and earn new money on the money we didn't lose to taxes. So these things have a lot of other benefits and and what may happen sometime, he might say, yeah, my, my income dried up this year from something, it stopped you know, whatever that something may be. And I'm in a really low tax bracket. What do you recommend? I'd say, well, let's take some money out of that annuity, pay tax on the interest to a point where you're paying tax at your lowest marginal bracket because your other income is really low in a given year. It just gives us opportunities, tax planning opportunities too, because we get to pick when
1: we're taxed on the earnings on our annuity. And once again, that's a 1035 exchange, and that allows you to trade one insurance product for another insurance product. In this case, it's annuities. Brian, besides Social Security, pensions and annuities, what are some of the other tools that we can use to keep income coming in in retirement?
2: Yeah, I have a couple of go-tos. One is Private Non-Traded Equity Real Estate Investment Trust. That's a lot of words there. Uh, Private Non-Traded REITs. And people listening might go on, well, I can do REITs. I can go out and buy the Vanguard REIT. It's huge. It's enormous. It owns thousands and thousands of properties. It's awesome. I'm like, well, yeah, I have private Non-Traded REITs that do kind of the same thing. They aren't as big as the Vanguard index of REITs or whatever. difference is... Big difference. On 2022, the Vanguard REIT, publicly traded REIT, lost about 29%. And the biggest private non-traded equity REIT gained about 8%. A 37% spread. And so people go, huh, aren't they both REITs buying kind of the same properties? Like, yep. What's the difference? Well, publicly traded REITs are liquid, and there was a run on the essentially run on the bank, reminding me of "It's a Wonderful Life" when they they had a run on this the old Bailey Savings and Loan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he's like, "Well, the money isn't here. It's in your property. It's in your building. I can't, I can't sell that right now, and I can't come up with the money." And but they have to. They yeah. got three days. So they got to go to that, that grumpy old man that owns the rest of the town and pay whatever they got to pay to get that money to pay back to the shareholders that want to sell. Mm-hmm. And that caused uh, that illiquidity, caused a huge problem. Right. I think cause that was the primary reason for the drop. Whereas a private non traded equity REIT has limitations on the run. So when they come to run on the bank, I want all my money. And like, well, you can have up to 5% of your money, you know, or whatever their, their limitation is for each quarter, so they can't have a run on the bank and they don't have to fire or sell the real estate. So understanding the nuances of the difference between publicly traded REITs and private non-traded equity REITs is huge. Uh, It's huge for my clients, (laughs) certainly we were on the, the better side of that 37% spread. So <laughs> I'm really happy to say that. But in addition, equity REITs, they are required, the, the word REIT is a tax term, an IRS term, requiring them to pay out most, 95% of the net income in the form of your share of rental income. So if you own these, you get your share after expenses of rental income, and that can come in monthly for many of these holdings. So that's... That's a great way to have a growth asset that can pay a very nice return yield-wise, as opposed to putting in your money into something like bonds that certainly lost a lot of money last year. REITs can lose money, absolutely. They're a risk asset. They're in real estate. Real estate can go up. Real estate can go down. Historically, it's done quite well, but you know, none of us have a crystal ball. But certainly buying the right kind of real estate matters. And so you don't just buy any private non-traded equity REIT. By the way, you have to go through a financial advisor to get one. Someone like ourselves, we put people into private non-traded equity REITs, but we do a lot of vetting as to which type of equity REIT we want as a well and which ones we don't want.
1: We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our show is called Growing Your Wealth, and we appreciate you joining us this week, and we're talking about how to keep income coming in in retirement. Brian, you mentioned that real estate, for those people who are active landlords, I do want to cover this again. Is there an opportunity for active landlords to get into passive real estate?
2: Yeah, I'm having that conversation a lot because a lot of real estate owners are in their late 60s, 70s, or 80s, and, uh, and that's investment real estate we're talking about, not your house. And they're they're kind of the the common conversation is, well, it's not terrible owning this real estate. I have a property manager, but I just feel like it, it takes up a little too much time. I kind of want to be stress-free anymore. And I kind of want to be able to go away and not think about it. And I don't want to worry about when the phone calls come in when it's raining and <laughs> worrying about what's, you know, it's, it's not terrible, but I'll remind them, well, will it be something you want to be doing in five years or 10 years? Looking back, is that where you want? to be. And they're like, uh, no. I said, well, okay, you might want to take some steps now to, to resolve that. And the way we resolve that, as we talk about in the show, is to do a Section 1031 exchange, whereas instead of buying and finding and buying another replacement property, trading one headache for another headache, you're selling property and getting into passive real estate. And the only way to really do that is through a Delaware statutory trust. So we can have you sell your rentals, whatever they are, your investment real estate, do a 1031 exchange and put you into a diverse group of different newer Class A type properties is managed by a professional firm. You continue to get your rental income. You don't get any taxation now. It's deferred and potentially permanently eliminated with a step-up in basis someday. You're in a diversified assets, professionally managed. You can never have a capital call. A lot of benefits to the Delaware Statutory Trust.
1: And again, Brian, I want to point out that you can't just buy a Delaware Statutory Trust. You've got to own some investment property, some real estate that you're getting rents from, and then you can do a Delaware Statutory Trust. But again, you can't sell your property, have the money in the bank, and then call you and say, Brian, I want to do a Delaware Statutory Trust. There's definitely an order to doing it.
2: Yeah. And you can't even do one unless you're an accredited investor. You have to have at least a million dollar net worth outside of your principal residence. Then you have to properly execute the language in your purchase and sale agreement to allow for a 1031 exchange. Then you have to hire a qualified intermediary before your property closes. And the Delaware Statutory Trust can only be gotten through a financial advisor like Madrona Financial. So there are steps. If, If that's too much for you to remember, that's fine. We got all this down. As soon as you just call us and tell us, you're interested in exploring that, the first thing we'll do is ask for your tax return. We'll take a look at your net operating income from your real estate as it relates to your fair market value. Some of the options, we'll talk about how much you're getting now, how much you could get through the DST process and decide whether it even makes sense to continue that discussion. If it does, then you're going to eventually list your property for sale and then we'll walk you through all the steps and take care of all the hard work. All you have to do is decide you want to do it.
1: And Brian, I'm sure a lot of active landlords landlords listening to this today are worried that, well, you know, I'm getting double uh, X for my rentals this month. And if I do this Delaware statutory trust, I'm not going to get that much money. What has been your experience in terms of the money that people receive with a DST versus what they did receive as an active landlord? Yeah, uh,
2: my experience is about 100% of the time when I ask what your rate of return, they tell me something and it's overstated. Uh, I said, well, is that what you put in the bank? Well, no. I mean, I have, gosh, the last three years I've had pairs it took all my money I'm like well you just told me you're making six percent but you just then told me you lost money the last three years yeah you know <laughs> I was like okay well you're not making money on it or it's not what you think you're making and so uh, yeah cap rates have compressed and and so amounts but you know a lot of my clients have not been raising rents necessarily and so expenses have gone up maybe the rents haven't that much but it doesn't even matter at some point you go uh, no matter how how much difference there is, maybe it's a percent or two difference between being an active landlord and being passive and, and not worrying about it. The time I have left on this planet and the stress that I get to get off my plate is worth way more than whatever more dollars I'm never going to spend means. And so there's a lot of people in that position. I mean, if it was all about money, then I'm here to tell you every retired person listening, the best way to improve your money is to go back to work. Yeah. Well, no, that's dumb, Brian. I don't want to go back to work. Well, the best way maybe to make more money in your rentals is to never sell them and to grind away and be a landlord till the absolute last hour before you die. Well, I don't want to do that exactly. So here's your out. You know, you you can't get your time back. And so if you have enough money, but not enough time, What a great idea just to look into the DST, have that discussion with us to see if it makes sense.
1: So DST, that really is a landlord exit strategy. And again, if you've got questions about Delaware Statutory Trust, anything that we've talked about today, text them to us at 833-673-7373. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth, and we have been talking about what it takes to keep income coming in in retirement. Up ahead, what a lifestyle portfolio looks like. But in the meantime, let me ask you some questions here. Does this sound familiar? I'm not sure when or how I can retire comfortably. I'm stuck because I don't want to pay the big tax bill. The market negatively affects my mood. I don't know the right questions to ask. My spouse says we're fine, but I'm still unsure. Well, it sounds like you could use a rooted wealth analysis to see how good you really are in your financial portfolio. We offer it at no cost and no obligation. It's super simple to get. Simply go to MadronaFinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. When you get there, you get there you'll put in some basic information about yourself, and then you'll answer some basic questions, areas that you want to address in your analysis, including lifestyle growth, protection planning, tax planning, health care planning, gift planning, planning, legacy planning, and real estate planning. Super simple. Find out how deep your financial roots are so your portfolio will sustain you during the next financial storm. Go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to get your rooted wealth analysis conversation started. Brian, you probably know that young adults are more likely to be living with their parents nowadays than on their own. According to a Pew Research study here, for the first time, Brian, in over hundred and thirty years, more people between aged eighteen and thirty four are living with their parents than on their own or with a partner. And this turn of events, I think, is fueled primarily, at least according to what I see in this uh, study here, by the dramatic drop in the share of young Americans who are choosing to settle down romantically before the age of thirty-five. It's also worth noting that the overall share of young adults living with their parents peaked around 1940 when 35 percent of the nation's 18 to 34 year olds lived with mom and or dad why do you think it peaked around 1940
2: well that was right after the great depression and right before you know people were being drafted into world war ii so the great depression would cause people to certainly come back home because they you know nobody could afford to eat let alone find a place you know on their own to stay so that certainly has a good reason I guess as
1: to why people would be moving back home so if you've got adult children living with you and it's because they can't find a romantic partner maybe you want to gift them with uh, some sort of a subscription to match.com or eHarmony or something well, like that Jeff it, it occurred to me when you
2: were saying that that uh, they're not getting you know settling down with somebody uh, until later in life I'm pretty sure that if somebody uh, if you meet somebody awesome and they ask you so where do you live well I live with my parents, uh, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that you'll never get out of your house because no one's going to want to date the guy that's still living in their parents' basement (laughs) at 30 years old. So I don't know. It's kind of has a circular (laughs) equation
1: to me, I think. Well, maybe you sort of sugarcoat it. I'm just living there temporarily. I'm helping them out. You know, they got a little trouble, (laughs) but you know, they're going to be on their feet soon and then I'm going to get this great place. But anyway, that's the reason why 18 to 34 year olds are living more and more on their own these days simply because they either can't find a good romantic partner or I think really it comes down to it's just cheaper to live with mom and dad. So Brian, let's get back to our program here today. We've been talking about income strategies in retirement or at least strategies to keep income coming in in retirement. And we talked about all the usual suspects. Is there any other that we neglected to talk about?
2: Yeah, just to summarize, we talked about Social Security, pensions. We also talked about annuities that are designed for guaranteed cash flow for life. And then a concept of laddering. Uh, accumulation annuities, which is another way to, to have access to money over the years. Then we talked about private non-traded equity REITs and the rental income that they can provide to you. Then we uh, mentioned Delaware Statutory Trust for 1031 exchanges. So whether your, your own rental real estate is providing cash flow or the Delaware Statutory Trust is providing that monthly cash flow to you, those are other really good ways to sustain income throughout your retirement. And then I did want to mention something called a, a a debt REIT, a, a debt private REIT. non-traded debt REIT. Okay. So I mentioned the equity REIT. So the equity REIT, you know, they'll go out and buy uh, investment real estate, could be apartment buildings or industrial parks or self-storage, that kind of thing. And you own lots of property, a, a fraction of lots of properties, and they'll be giving you your income from that. DST, same thing. You can own any of those asset classes, student housing, whatever it is, you can get your rental income from that, but you are a partial owner of the real estate in a DST. Now, and a debt read is, is the flip side of that. So in every real estate transaction, you might have a, a bank involved where that's the mortgage holder and they lend the money to buy the real estate. And then you have your equity. That's your down payment essentially. So the equity reads is where you're actually putting money down towards the value of the real estate, there might be a debt component. Now, a debt REIT, what they do is, you will know, get investors to invest money with them. They'll go out and make loans. The loans they're making are to kind of the middle market corporate America, primarily. Companies that are looking to grow or merge or that kind of thing, and they don't want to bring on partners to do it. And they really can't go to banks. Banks aren't in that line of business anymore. Uh, after 2008, they were kind of regulated out of it. And so they're willing to pay pretty high interest rates. Uh, I've seen a lot of the loans at prime plus six Prime plus six and a half right in there. And so that's kind of how they're they're lending the money out for a period of time, maybe six months, maybe three years, maybe whatever. And so debt rates are out there and they probably have the highest yield of any of the things I have talked about here. They're not a growth asset. Now on the show I always say, I can get you growth, I can get you security, I can get you cash flow, liquidity, or tax savings. I can't get you all five in one investment. You might get two, and so the debt rate has probably the best cash flow of anything I talk about on this show. It's not going to grow because you, you know you have a, you lent somebody money that's not going to go up in value really uh, over time. You wouldn't expect that. They're somewhat liquid, and so uh, but they produce really good cash flow, and so that might be another component in a diversified portfolio where you're truly diversified. Uh, imagine in a situation where we do your financial plan. You got your Social Security, maybe you have a pension. You have both kinds of annuities. We talk talked about, you have some DSTs or or not, you have private non-traded equity REITs, and now you have some of this debt REIT on top of that. All of these producing cash flow every single month in your retirement. Well, you add that up, and you go, well, "Wait a second! You might be making more in retirement than you did when you were working." I yeah. see that quite a bit, actually. <laughs> and so, it's a nice place to be. And yeah. and there's there's it's not all in the same the eggs are not all in the same basket here either. So they're they're diversified, in different parts of the economy. Some are safe, some aren't. Some are you know have more growth potential, some don't. And it's a, a mix of all those things. So that's what we're talking about in a lifestyle plan to have access. You know, we don't have enough time to talk about all the different ways you can get cash flow, but these are our primary rate ways that we use for our clients.
1: And Brian, I truly have been educated here today. I was just thinking of two or three, or maybe four different ways to keep income coming in in retirement. But boy, it seems like there's no end, there's no bottom to that toolbox you've got there, is there? Uh, there isn't much of a bottom. To, anybody that listens to my show, will go. I
2: know. You know I, I meet people and they go, "Do you sleep? <laughs> They're like, what do you do? You just study this stuff all the time?" Like, yeah. uh, well, I don't, I think so, but anymore, it comes pretty pretty easy. But no, I. I mean, a lot of work went to get here where we could uh, offer all these different areas. We understand people want, as I mentioned, growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and tax savings. And they want a plan. But in the end, if you don't implement the plan with the proper products, we've educated you. We've done your plan. And, well, What's your solution? Annuities. That's it? Yep. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Why is that? Well, that's what I sell. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Or what's your solution, uh, guy that hates annuities? stock market right but i want cash flow and security and and tax saving nah, nah. nah. stock market yeah i mean that's my competition right now honestly <laughs> and, and i'm like okay i wouldn't recommend anybody go to you because i already know what your answer is going to be because i know what you sell right you sell stock market mr i hate annuities and you should too you sell annuities, person that bought you a steak dinner and told you about safe investment strategies, right. if that's it, then I'm you know, you're know you cutting yourself short. I mean, there's so much out there, so many different areas. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we offer all those areas I talk about on this show. We offer those investment products. We don't really care one way or the other what the, the final solution is, as long as it's the right solution for you. And so we have access to all this stuff. I won't necessarily use an annuity for every client or the stock market for every client or a DST or or a REIT or whatever but we have access to them and we likely will use a lot of the things we talk about on this show.
1: And Brian, I know the clients have come to us from many different walks of life. Many clients have come to us from other financial advisors because they want a second look at that. And many times with the big box advisors and those are the ones whose names you see on the side of billboards and you know you see them in TV commercials, radio commercials, that sort of thing too. They're really under pressure to sell what the sales manager of the company wants them to sell that month. You have said before that when people sometimes bring you their portfolios. Before you even open the portfolio and look at it, you're able to tell what they're invested in.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know what they're invested in. And and certainly with a 401k plan, there's so much overlap. I did want to share a story this week. I had this guy call me and and, uh, he had a very complex case where he owned a highly appreciated piece of real estate with another person in an LLC. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to hear about the 1031 exchange and the DST because his partner wanted to sell the asset. And so we talked about, you know, he said, I I don't know about the DST, but I know about ticks, tendency in common and don't like them. I said, yeah, they're terrible. And that's like herding cats. Yeah. Trying to get 25 people to agree they like chocolate. You have to have everybody agree. You can't have one disagree or otherwise nothing gets done. They're terrible. The DSTs replace those. We talked about that. We talked about cap rates of real estate investments. We talked about how to drop from the LLC to be eligible for his half to go into a DST. We we, we talked about the step-up in basis. He didn't know that in Washington State, we're one of nine community property states, and he would get the step-up in basis entirely on all of his real estate from day one of when he purchased it, including the depreciation recapture, all the gains... Poof, go away automatically in total in the state of Washington. He said, I didn't know that either. We talked about qualified opportunity zones, alternative investments, different asset classes, how they work and so forth. And then at the end, he goes, well, I, I wrote down another question here. I hope you don't mind asking. I'm like, go ahead. He says, well, I know this really rich guy. And he's super happy with his advisor. It's a broker on the East Coast. And there's a big name company. Mm. Why wouldn't I go with them? Why would I go with you? Okay. (laughs) This conversation we just had, could you have had any of that with that person? He goes, "Mm, no. Yeah. I said, yeah, because they can't do what we do. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how prestigious they are. They aren't. 30-plus-year CPAs, CPA firms, they, they're not estate planners, they're not DST specialists, they're not all these things that we talk about on the show all the time. I'm sorry, I don't care how big they are or if they're in a 90-story building or whatever, they've been around 200 years, I don't care. I, I, just, um, I just said, can they answer the questions we just talked about for the last 45 minutes? Could they have done five minutes of that conversation? And his answer was no.
1: They, they couldn't. Okay, I get it. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Well, I think that is really the big advantage of Madrona Financial is that you can have all of these conversations with people. But most importantly, I think it is very rare for a financial planning firm to also have CPAs as part of their operation. And a few of your financial planners are also CPAs. So again, that is something very rare. You can talk about taxes and more. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth. Just a few more minutes left in the program here, Brian, before we go to Once again, if you'd like to confirm that your retirement is designed to support the quality of life you want for 30 years, I highly encourage you today to get our fabulous book, The Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Very easy read. There's a lot of great information in there that does include such things as a lifestyle plan, a growth plan, protection plan, tax plan, health care plan, gift plan, and legacy plans. It'll also tell you how to deepen your financial roots. How do you get this book? Simply text radio. Do it right now now. Text radio to eight three three six seven three seventy three seventy three. 673 Radio to 833 673 And while you're there, if you'd like a hard copy of the book, let us know that. Be sure to include your name and address. We'll send that right out to you. Once again, it's radio to eight three three six seven three seventy three seventy three 673 for the seven steps to a successful retirement. Brian, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. But most of all, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shea. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth.
0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona financial services past performance is not a guarantee of future results investors cannot invest directly into indexes no investment strategy including asset allocation and diversification guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes
1: DST investments are only available to accredited investors that are offered solely through the issuers offering documents the dst sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents